0: And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Earth's population is really large. When we look at the world, we see lots of people so many that it's hard to comprehend. As you narrow it down, it can still be overwhelming. Even in the Baylife community, there are thousands of neighbors. So, who is your neighbor? Is the person at your kid's sporting event, sharing your cubicle, with him to work, across the street, in your class, helping on your kids' field trip. Your neighbor is the one God has placed right next to you.
1: I pray, lots of things to talk about, let's, let's pray. Hey, God, thanks so much for a chance to open your word now and to hear from you. And that's what I pray happens, God. I don't pray that anybody hears from me or, or sees, even sees me. I just pray that they, uh, that all of us would hear from you and that your spirit would uh, interpret the words even as they're flying out of my face and, uh, and rest them in the hearts of our people here today so that we can be challenged and changed and led into a life Of uh, greater significance with you. That's my prayer, solely. Uh, So do that in us, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to talk about our neighbors over the next three weeks, and I'm excited to do this with you. Uh, uh, The video told us who our neighbor was. It's the the one that's right next to you. I think a neighbor, another way to define neighbor is anybody who's not you, okay? You're you. Everybody else is your neighbor. Got it? Good. Uh, our neighbors are talked about a ton in the scriptures. I looked it up this morning. There's 150 references to neighbors in scripture. Uh, we get all kinds of commands. We're going to talk about one of them next week, which is to love your neighbor. Heard that one, right? Uh, we're going to talk on the third week about leading our neighbor. But today we're going to talk about probably the most significant command or commission that we find in the church age, which is to tell our neighbors about the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a privilege of the church to be the messengers of our God. And it's, it's a privilege to be a friend to someone and, and tell them something that they need. I was out to breakfast this past week with a buddy of mine who's in my life group. Everybody sign up for a life group. It's good for you. Uh, but I'm in one, and uh, I hadn't seen this guy all summer as I was traveling and gone. And so uh, we got together for breakfast just to catch up, see how was, things are going. And halfway through our breakfast together, uh, he said, dude, I, I can't I can't keep talking to you. I was like, what? What did I say? He says, no, listen, you, you got to take care of that Twizzler. That, that, and he pointed to my nose. And apparently what had happened... <laughs> laugh, but it's happened to everybody, right, that I woke up early and I didn't look in the mirror and I just threw a baseball hat on and I met him at seven o'clock at this diner for breakfast and I hadn't, you know, cleared the bats from the cave, if you know what I'm talking about, okay? And so there was just one little twizzler kind of going in and out as I was breathing through my nose, one of those, right? And he he fought it off as long as he could, but he's like, I can't do it anymore, you got to take care of that. And so I just did the quick, you know, and then I wiped my hands off, kept eating my food, but, uh, Oh, whatever. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, uh, yeah, they're like, welcome to the, you know, the world. It's what happens, okay? Boogers happen. All right, so I was, I'm grateful that my friend felt comfortable enough with me to tell me something that was going on. Have you ever, you ever been, like, going on through the day, and you get home, and you're like, well, how long has my zipper been down? I have no idea how long that has been, you know. But I'm sure people saw it during the day, and they just never thought to say anything. That's bad neighboring. Good neighbors tell their other neighbors uh, what's what and help them understand what needs to be happening in your life. And so, uh, in a much more serious and spiritual way, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the people in our lives. Listen, and you got to get this. This is one of those sermons I don't want you to skip over, okay? Because here's the deal. You're like me. You get in an environment where you're used to just sitting and listening, and you stop listening, okay? It's called marriage, right, fellas? And you can just kind of skip over stuff. But listen. That can't happen today. can't happen any week, but especially not today. You've got to get this. Because if you're a Christ follower, in fact, if you're a Christian out there, a Christ follower has been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Can you give me a whoop, whoop? Okay, all the whoop, whoopers, okay? Here's the deal. This is central to your existence as a Christ follower. Not just the paid people. Not just the people who are comfortable, you know, talking to other people. It's, if you're a Christ follower, this is who you are. You're on mission. You've been sent to share the good news of Jesus Christ with your neighbor. In fact, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a whoop-whoop, okay, uh, how did you become a Christ follower? Someone drop a big rock out of the sky, you know, this God-sent meteor that had the gospel rented out, you know, in the, hand, the fiery hand of God on the And that's how you learn the gospel? Thanks for the meteor, God. Now I'm a Christian. Or did, or did some angels kind of swoop up in the sky over you as you were, you know, uh, walking through the woods one day, and, and they wrote the gospel out like, you know, like planes do sometimes, and there it was. And you are like, oh, I'm a Christian now. Is that how it happened with you? No, that's how it happened with me. I walked the aisle at a, at a Christian camp in eastern Canada at the age of nine, and some counselor whose name I don't remember and whose face I can't even recall shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me, and that's how I became a Christian. He was a good neighbor. He told me about Jesus. There, there, might be some of you who found out in other ways, but a majority of us, is, an overwhelming majority of us in here, are Christian, are Christ followers because another Christ follower, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a friend, a classmate, a coworker, a pastor, a, a Sunday school teacher, someone, told us about Jesus and gave us the opportunity to respond. I mean, the Bible's rife with commendations for people who tell their neighbors about Jesus. This is what Paul said to the Romans. He says, for the scripture says that everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Who's grateful for that this morning? That if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, shame's not a part of our future. We are sealed for eternity. We are given his grace forever. He goes on, he says, for there's no distinction between Jews and Greeks. I'm grateful for that, that God chose to let the Gentiles, it's you and me, Uh, In on this deal, for the same Lord is Lord of all. He's bestowing his riches on all who call on him without distinction. It goes on and says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody say, yay, it's a good deal. It's the greatest thing that's happened to any of us. Now Look what he says. He goes to a bunch of rhetorical questions here in the next part here in Romans 10. He says, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? How do people go from not believing To believe in. And how are they to believe in in Jesus uh, of whom they've never heard? How can someone believe in someone that no one's ever told them about? And how are they to hear without someone telling them? I'm getting louder because I think Paul's writing with heavier ink on each one of these. He's just celebrated the grace that comes to us through God and Jesus Christ. And he's just hey, there's no shame. We're all saved because of him. But he's like, there's all kinds of people out there our neighbors don't know because no one's telling them. He asks one more question. He says, This next verse. He says, How are they to preach unless they are sent? Everybody look at me. You got me? Everybody look at me. I'm sending you today. You're the preachers. We talked about it in the How We Do series in the book of Titus. Everybody's somebody's pastor. Everybody is. You, you've got people I'll never meet in your life. You've got family members, friends, coworkers, classmates that don't know Jesus, and I'll never meet them. So you've got to be their preacher, and I'm sending you today. So I'm like, I don't know what to say. It doesn't matter. I'll help you. I'll teach you. I don't, I don't know how to do that. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out, right? Paul did. The early church people did. They figured it out. We can figure it out. we got God on our side. The question is, is where we go? Look what he says. As it is written, he quotes Isaiah 52. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Everybody stop getting pedicures because they don't make your feet beautiful. Ladies, skip out on all those white tip things that you put on your toenails or whatever that stuff is. That, that, that doesn't make beautiful feet. Some of you guys haven't worn sandals for years. You want to know how to have beautiful feet? I'll tell you to have, how to have beautiful feet. Go tell someone about Jesus. That will make your feet beautiful. Just a few things uh, that I'm going to talk to you about from this story in the book of Acts. Paul goes to this place called Athens. Heard of it? It's over there in Georgia. No, Uh, it's in Greece. There's one in Georgia though, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, Paul goes to the actual Athens, and he uh, he details. Luke details for us here in the book of Acts what happened there. We're going to learn from it. But before we do that, you saw some cards coming in. Everybody got. Everybody hold up a card if you got it. Just hold it up. Make sure you got one. Okay, on the back of that card is this, these, uh, these a series of blanks. We don't we do not account. Okay, it's not one one one. We know there's a two and a three, but we we just we wanted you to think about uh, who your neighbors are. You can put them down if you're holding them up still. Uh, and, and you're gonna have this whole sermon to, to just listen to God as you're listening to me. Think about the people in your life. It could be a family member uh, that you're gonna see at Thanksgiving uh, that maybe you've been praying for for years, and you're gonna renew your efforts in prayer and your vigor and looking forward to an opportunity to share the gospel with that person. It could be a a, a neighbor who's actually your neighbor, lives on either side of you or across the street. It could be a coworker, classmate, all those people. Anybody that's not you is your neighbor. Think about the ones that God wants you to not just pray for, which is great, and to not just invite the church. Everybody look around. Do you see some empty chairs next to you? You know, I I think one of the, uh, and this isn't a guilt thing or anything like that, but I think it's sad that there's empty chairs in churches anywhere. Not just ours. But if this, is, if this is central to life, if this is the most important thing that we believe is, is in life, to know God and to follow hard after him, why is there empty chairs anywhere? I'll, I'll tell you why there's not empty chairs. Uh, I think in part it's because there's a wicked world out there that doesn't want to believe in God. That's, that's them. But then there's uh, a sleeping giant called the church that is never really truly engaged in the mission of God. And, and we just get busy I mean, we we got enough to handle on our own. I got kids, Mark. I got jobs. I got this, that, and the other thing. I don't have time to think about them. Hey, guess what? If you're the church, you're the sent ones. God has given you all that you believe so that you can share it with the people who don't. So write down the names of the people that God leads you to, and then pray for reals, for reals, that you would have the opportunity in the next few months to talk to them about Jesus. We're going to see how that unfolds here in the experiences of Paul in Athens. We're going to turn those in at the end. It'll be an active thing, okay? So you've got to write something down. If you don't get a pen, bug bug your neighbor, get one, okay? Love your neighbor, give him your pen. All right, here we go. Book of Acts chapter 17. A few things that we need to do if we're going to be the, the tellers that we're supposed to be to our neighbors. The first thing we need to do is be shaken, not just stirred. Yes, I tried to do a little homage to James Bond there. But I, I put it that way because I think most most of the times when we go to church, we're just kind of a little stirred. We're just, you know, mildly perturbed or, or slightly agitated over the things that the Scriptures teach us. And, and what I think needs to happen in the lives of passionate Christ followers is that they gotta, they got to get fussed out a little bit more. They've got to look at things and say, this ought not to be. Look what happens with Paul. He's, he's hanging out in, in Athens here in verse 16. And it says that he was waiting for some. That, that Timothy and some other guys were going to come and hang out with him on the next leg of his missionary journey. But he's here in Athens waiting for them to arrive. And he's walking around kind of like a tourist. He's just looking around at this amazing ancient city uh, called Athens. And his spirit, it says, was provoked within him. The English isn't doing the Greek word justice. It's a, it's a Greek word that actually comes from the medical field, uh, and it, it goes beyond just slight provocation to, like, Paul was feeling sick to his stomach, ill over what he was seeing. ever seen something like that? Maybe in a movie that you didn't know was coming up. It was this really tragic scene. You just had to look away. And like it was visceral. It, it, it made you react. And that's what Paul was feeling, a visceral angst and provocation. As he walked around the city. Why? Because the city that he was walking in was full of idols. That, that, that Greek word there, full of idols, is just one Greek word. It's kata idolas, Kata idolas, And it, it just means submerged in or under idols. There were so many idols, it's like they were drowning in them there in Athens. If you read some of the ancient historians, they'll say there was 10,000 men in Athens and there were 30,000 idols. That's a three to one ratio if my math serves. right. That's a lot of tikis. That's a lot of gods for the people of Athens to turn their devotion towards. But here's Paul, and he knows the one true God. Uh, He met his son Jesus on a road to Damascus. He's been changed forever. He knows the truth. And here he is. He's walking amidst this world of lies, all the Greek uh, pantheon of of mythological gods, all of the other gods that have kind of seeped in from all the other countries that that Greece uh, assumed into themselves when they were the world power. All these gods, there's temples and statues. There was a temple for Athena, and there was a statue of Athena that when you lit the torch at the top of Athena's statue, for 40 miles you could see this thing. I mean, it was just grandeur and homage to all of these false deities, and it just made Paul sick. Listen, our world worships all kinds of false gods. Materialism, having more, hedonism experiencing more existentialism and all the other isms that are in our philosophies. There's all kinds of false religions out there. And we sit there and we talk about them on national stages or, or you know, these, these grand debates. But, but just listen, <laughs> do you ever look at these things and just have your heart break, have your stomach churn over the fact that there's a world of people out there who do not know the one true God? They're worshiping everything else but him. And so often Christians are just so dismissive of that. I, got, I, I found them. Tough noogies on them. That's not how it should be. God loves those people who don't love him. He loved you and me before we loved him. And by his grace, we found him. And it should just crush us when we see people not following him. pastor in Chicago named James McDonald sent out uh, an email blast, and I don't know if this is true, but he, you know, it's on the internet, so it must be. But this is how he started his email. 85% of Christ followers will never share their faith. 85%. That's like everybody in here except this front section. will never share your faith. Okay, first of all, that breaks your pastor's heart on this one level. In that, because I've had the blessed uh, opportunity to share my faith with people. Like last night, we got done preaching. I walked off the stage. This one guy was here with a, a, a girl that he was a friend with. And, and he, she, she came to church, and the Holy Spirit rocked her. And she just knew that this was it. I don't, I, I don't know what I've been missing, but this is it. I need Jesus. And I had the opportunity with this dude to sit right there in those chairs and to share Christ with this young lady. And she put her faith in Jesus Christ. Didn't sleep last night. Because that's, that's some cool stuff right there. I don't know what good things have happened in your life, but that'll keep you up. To see someone go from darkness to light, from death to life. And to see it, I mean, you're sitting there and you're just explaining what God's done for you through Christ. And they choose it. Tears flowing. Amazed by grace. It's how it's supposed to be. And if 85% of the church is going to miss out on that, I just don't know there's a whole lot better on earth to experience. Then sharing your faith with someone makes me sad. But on the other hand, as a pastor, makes me mad. Because we're on this mission, and if only 15% of the people are a part of the mission, how good is this mission going to go? You go to work tomorrow. 85% of your team that you work with doesn't show. Things going to work out? Any teachers in the room who's a teacher? Put your hands up in the air, teachers. Good to have you. Hey, 85% of the teachers aren't going to show tomorrow, ladies or men. And you got to take the rest of those kids. You know what's going to happen? Inmates are going to be running the asylum. (laughs) Because you can't handle it. And you certainly can't teach anything. The mission is going to fail because there's not enough people to make it happen. My daughter's a server at Bob Evans. Some nights, servers that are supposed to work with her don't call or they don't show. And all of a sudden, it's a frustrating experience for everybody. You've been in that restaurant? There's two servers on a Friday night. Each got one side of the room, and there's no possible way they can get your food out to you in time. There's no possible way to deliver good service. They're frustrated, you're frustrated. It's a bad scene. Why? Because not everybody's doing their part. We need to be shaken, not stirred. We need to be convicted to get involved. And not just convicted, we need to be excited about the opportunity to be involved. This isn't a get-to, it's a got-to. You get to be the part of someone's eternal destiny changing forever. That's right. (laughs) Secondly, we need to learn our neighbors. We need to learn our neighbors. We need to be able to adapt ourselves to what we see in them so that we can give them the gospel in ways that they can understand it best. Look what happened with Paul. He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. Let's call them religious people. Okay, so whether they were Jewish or Gentile, he went to the devout people and he talked with them. This was this was his big deal. He'd go to the, the Jewish synagogue first. Why? Because he was Jewish, he could relate, right? But then he he didn't stop there. He went out in the marketplace every day. And he just talked to whoever he meet. Total strangers. What's up? Who's your God? Wanna hear about mine? And so ir- irreligious people or, or vaguely religious people, he talked to them too. He 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 hung out with these muckety mucks that were philosophers of the age. Look what it says next to some of the Epicureans. These were guys who followed Epicurus for the sake of time. Epicureans, they didn't really believe that uh, God was involved with with existence. And so there was certainly nothing after death. And so their whole uh, philosophy of life was party hardy. Sounds like a lot of my friends from high school, right? You know, hedonism. Just suck everything you can out of life because someday you're gonna die. They were the party hardy crowd. He talked to them. He talked to the Stoics. The Stoics were... Uh, just like the, the name kind of means. They were, they were serious. They believed not just that God was here, but that God was in everything. He was pantheistic. He was in everything, everywhere, behind every bush. And so they were very rigid and careful. They were the party poopers. So Paul talked to the party hardies, and he talked to the party poopers. And, the, and no, lots of people didn't understand what it says. Some said, what does this babbler wish to say? It's actually a Greek word that means seed picker. It's like, a, it's like a bird just kind of pecking at the yard. It's like, I don't, he he, what's he doing? He, we don't even know what he's doing. The others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because they'd never heard about Jesus or his resurrection. I mean, he was like puzzling people with all these things, but did that stop him? No. Some of you, that might be what stopped you. So they're not going to get it. They're going to think I'm crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They probably will. Okay, we over that now? We good? Okay, so let's go tell them. Because if that foot gets in the door, if the first seed hits the the soil of their hearts, at least something can start growing. It's better than nothing, right? Paul determined that that he was just going to figure out who he was talking to and talk to him like he he needed to. It's the same thing I do uh, when I go to Africa and I speak to African uh, congregations there. I change the rhythm of, and the pattern of my English, because our American English doesn't sound like theirs. If you ever watch shows and they put subtitles underneath, you ever seen that? Isn't that funny? We have to put subtitles underneath other people's English, right? Because we just can't understand how they're talking. It's just different style of talk. When I go to Africa, I drop all my I drop all my contractions. I don't say don't, and won't, and all that stuff because they say everything according to the Queen's English. Uh, I change my accent. I talk slower. And why? Because I'm a teacher. And I'm over there trying to teach 70, 80 pastors the word of God. I want it to be effective. So I tailor me to them. Not my message, but I tailor me to them. And I think our church isn't as struck by this, but some churches, they're just so paralyzed by not wanting to sully themselves or have to change themselves or their message or their rhetoric to be able to reach lost people. Hey, They're lost. They're different than us. When Paul was talking about reaching certain people groups, he says, when I was in Rome, I became like the Romans. When I was with the Jew, I became like the Jews. I tailor me, not my message, but I tailor me so that I'm effective in reaching my neighbor. We need to be shaken, not just stirred. We need to be ready. We need to uh, uh, learn our neighbors. And then finally, or thirdly, we need to be ready to walk through open doors. Look what it says in verse 19. Uh, so they took him, and they brought him to the Oropagus. Oropagus just means Mars Hill. Pagos means hill in Greek, and Ares is the Greek god of war. Uh, but in Rome, he's Mars. So it's Mars Hill, okay? So they go to this place called Mars Hill, which was this, this place where mucky mucks would go. You'll see in a second. They just would go and hang out and talk like the Athenians were wont to do, okay? And so somebody uh, came and took him to the, to the Arak, that thing, And uh, they said, hey, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. We'd love to give you an opportunity to take the podium. Share with everybody. There's this whole big group of us who are up there talking ideas and stuff. Why don't you come and share yours? It goes on and it says this. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. It it, it describes the Europa, this way. In verse 21, it says, now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there in Athens would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. Kind of reminds me of the internet. It's like the ancient internet, right? You can go on the internet and hear all kinds of craziness, right? And get engaged in all kinds of conversations. Well, back then they called it Mars Hill, all right? And so these Arapagites came to Paul and they said, hey, you want to come and talk? And Paul said, no, I couldn't possibly. I mean, I got friends coming in, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for them to arrive in Athens, so they're going to be at the airport. And, you know, it's hard to find an Uber here in Athens. And so... Uh, you know, it's probably just not going to work out, but thank you so much. Is that what Paul said? No, he's like, uh, yeah. Yes, I'd love to tell you about Jesus. Are you serious? I get to come and talk to all you at once? Because I've just kind of been walking around the marketplace in the city here and just talking to whoever would talk to me, but you're going to give me like an audience? I'll come and talk to you like right now. When, when can I talk? This is Paul's mentality. Why? He's on mission. He gets it. Other stuff was probably needing to happen in his life, but what was most important to him? That his neighbors heard about Jesus. God opens doors all the time. Do you believe that? I mean, God never takes a break. You and I do. But God's always at work around us. He's always doing things to set us up to be used of him. And I regret that I I know in my life I've missed out on too many times. Where I could have talked to people about Jesus and didn't. I was up in uh, Northern Maine, where I uh, grew up, and went to high school uh, this past summer. And I, I, I had uh, dinner with a buddy of mine. His name's Tony. Uh, in high school, we called him Beanpole. He was the center on our basketball team. He was six foot eight, and he weighed about a hundred pounds. Right? He picked him. And uh, Beanpole and I—he's—he's he's filled out now, so have I. But uh, uh, we, we sat down. And we had dinner together uh, while I'm up there uh, for a, a night. And it was so great to just, re, re, you know, uh, he married a girl that I dated in seventh grade for like five minutes. So that was funny. And, uh, uh, you know, so we're just talking and, and reminiscing and all that stuff. And he knows I'm a pastor. And it's like, yeah, I checked you out once online. You know, you're pretty good. Blah, blah, you know." And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. And, uh, But I drove away. We, we spent an hour together. I bought him dinner. I mean, I had the right to say whatever I wanted. I was paying. <laughs> but I was driving away after a great visit. I was like, oh, I mean, will I get to see Tony again? Hopefully next year is my 30-year high school reunion. I'll go back and I'll have another chance with Tony to talk to him about Jesus. But have you ever done that? You're like, oh, man, I could have talked about Jesus a little bit more there. I mean, he, he even set me up. We talked about the fact that he knew I was a pastor and he saw me preach. I mean, that's just a door going, right? All I had to say was, what would you think? What do you think about this God that I preach about? I, just, I didn't, and not because I was scared, not because I didn't love God at that moment. or I just, I forgot, and I missed it. It's kind of like this video that I pray none of us experience in our own lives. God keep us from those missed opportunities, right? May he lead us into what he's designed for us and make us strong and faithful in those things. For the sake of time, I'm going to summarize what comes next, but the next thing that we need is to be able to, to tell our friends the good news. Paul does that here in Athens. I'm going to just summarize what he, he says uh, to his friends there. He, he starts off by re- being really nice. He says, men of Athens, I see that you are very religious, isn't that nice? You should always start by being nice. You know, don't, don't be blowing the doors off on Facebook and telling people, turn or burn, or you know, just be nice. He starts out being nice. And then he takes something from their city, a, a statue to an unknown God. If you want to scroll through the verses behind me, that's fine, but I'm just going to summarize. And, and he, he says, let me tell you about this God that you don't know about. He says, this God that you don't know about is the creator of all things. He created us. He created you and me. He's a sustainer of all things. He says in him we live and move and have our being. He gives us life and breath and everything in it. He says he created us so that we could find him. He he made all of humanity, the first man, and then every man that came from the first man. He he appointed the times that they would live and the places that they would live. And everything that he's done in being our creator and our sustainer has, has had this one point that mankind would find him. Despite the fact that three chapters in the Bible, we find out that mankind has rebelled against God. God still loves humanity, and he desires to be part of their lives. Even though he doesn't need us, he doesn't require us, he wants us to be a part of his his life. He wants us to be together. And so he sends his son, Jesus, to die on a cross and to raise from the grave so that we could have life through our faith in him. He says that's the point of existence, you get a chance to share with your friends. Tell them that God created them. Tell them that God sustains them. Tell them that God created them with this purpose of knowing him. And that anything else in their life is, is just a, a, a tragic shortcoming in this purpose that God has made them for. I, I could repurpose my microphone. I could take this little stick thing that actually you know, catches my voice and I could use it as a cocktail fork and I could pick up hot dogs with it and eat off of it, right? I could take this little string that comes off of my microphone and goes into my pack. I could use it as a shoelace. It looks like one. I could take this little pack right down here at the end, and I could use it like a rock to hammer nails, like I did when I was a kid, and my dad wouldn't loan me the hammer, right? I could use this thing for all kinds of things, but if I did that, any of you would have the right to be like, should he be baker-acted? He probably should. He's eating, he's eating hot dogs with a, with a microphone, right? But why is it that we look at people in our lives? friends and family members, co-workers and classmates, and we see them live in their lives for all of these off purposes. And it doesn't make us think, this is crazy. I gotta say something. Because they're totally missing out on what God has made them for. He explains the gospel that you need to repent and accept and then he gets to the end. I'm going to go there if I can go to the last blank in Acts chapter 17, verse 32. He basically says uh, that we need to do our, or this is the last thing that we need to do. We need to do our part and leave the leading to God. We need to do our part and leave the leading to God. It'll come up here just a, in a second, but trust me if it doesn't. Keep going back, bro. You're almost, there it is. See, I told you. Now look what, look what Paul says. He's, he's done sharing the gospel He's told them about repenting and believing in the resurrection of the dead. That's how he closes his presentation. You can read it for yourselves there in the Bible. But when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, all these Oropagites, all these guys who are listening to him, there are some varying reactions. Some of them mocked him. Somebody rose from the grave. Awesome. Uh, I don't believe you. And off they went. Uh, If you'd share your, your, your faith with someone... Uh, that you're praying for, that you're going to put on these cards, uh, that, that someone may mock you initially. Uh, some of you are like even afraid to put that certain person's name down on that card because you just don't even want to talk to them because they're just going to make fun of you. Okay? Uh, be bold. Uh, know that just having your foot in the door is the beginning of the process for a mocker to become a believer. All right? Some people, they weren't ready to believe, so, so they just said, hey, we'd love to hear more about this. Uh, Let me go home and soak. I need some more time to think on this. But get this. Uh, Verse 34, if you can skip to that last part, verse 34. It says, some men joined him and believed. That day, Paul's on Mars Hill and he's talking about Jesus. And some dudes who got up that morning, probably never hearing about Jesus, sat down in that that, that Mars Hill center and they heard Paul tell them about Jesus and they're like, I'm in. One of the guys' names, he's an Oropagite. His name's Dionysius. He's an early follower of Jesus Christ in the church in Athens. You know another one was this lady Damaris and some people who were with her. They all trusted Jesus that day. Why? How? Because Paul was shaken, not just stirred. Because Paul was willing to go out there and tailor his, his, himself, not his message, but himself to the ways that people could hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the door opened, Paul walked through when he was given the opportunity to share the truth he told it some mocked some said not right now but some people put their faith in Jesus Christ look up and down the rows of the people next to you everybody in here who is a Christ follower they had that moment that Dionysius and Damaris had were they like i'm in i believe Jennifer sitting over here last night she said i'm in i believe it happens it happened with you. It could happen with your friends if you and I would just allow God to use us. And so now, take those cards. As the band comes out, we're just going to have a time of commitment to hear it as we close. And here, here's my hope for us. I hope I'm not scaring you. I'm just passionate about this. My desire is for more and more people to know Jesus, not so we can have a full church, not so that we can say, look what I did, but so that God can accomplish his purposes through his church, the mission can go forward, and more and more people can join us in eternity with him. Grab that card if you haven't signed some of the names yet. Here's what I want you to do we're just gonna let, let a little bit of this song play, and you can write out those names. The ushers are gonna come forward, okay? They're gonna come in, they're gonna have just another offering. You don't have to put money in it, just put the cards in it, and then we're gonna have this little fish tank of cards. We're going to set up here, and then we're going to close, and we're just going to pray. All of us are going to pray for the names that are being written down in this room so that uh, God would work in their lives and they follow Jesus. Will you do that with me as we close? Let's take some time, pray. Ask God who he, he wants you to be a part of, uh, finding about out about him. And then we'll sing, and then we'll pray as we close. that we believe what we believe, that we've been given what we've been given so that it can come to us and run through us to a world that that needs it too. We We were remade by the grace of God through Jesus Christ so that we could burn like a flame for the sake of the world and people could know about Jesus through us and from us. As the cards are coming down now, we're going to drop them in here. And we're just going to take a time to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? I want you to think about the names that you wrote on those cards. And I want you to think about the the names of the other people uh, that were written on these cards. We're lifting them up in this season and asking that God would use us to make a difference in their hearts. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to lift high the names of these people. And to ask you, God, uh, that your grace would work in their hearts and in their lives like it has in ours. And if you want to use us, God, if you're setting up appointments for us to be used of you in the lives of these people, would you make us aware of them? Would you give us boldness and courage in stepping through those doors? And then just saying what we need to say, God. Let's talk about you and how you created us, how you sustain us. Let's talk about the need for us to repent and accept Jesus so that we can be free from our sin. Just lead us to sharing with them what you've already shared with us through another neighbor. Help us to be, God, a part of your mission to save your world and to reconcile us to you. I pray this because of Jesus in his matchless name. And the church said, amen. And may it be so by the grace of God. Thanks for coming to church this morning. Make sure you sign up for a life group as you go out. But God bless you as you go. I'll be over here in the corner if you want to talk. And have a great week. God bless you.